morning. God is good. All the time. I see that's when you say God is good. Yeah, we're getting it. We haven't practiced it for a while, so I, you know, it's, it's our one liturgy here at Woodland Hills Church. Uh, I'm uh, really uh, emotionally drained. The, the first service, God landed, uh, and um, I'm still kind of, uh, uh, I haven't recovered completely from it. Uh, but it feels like a good kind of not recovered, if you know what I'm talking about. I feel really kind of just mellow. Um, mm, yeah, you just kind of savor the presence, and you just see God moving. I'm praying, Lord, for a double portion here to uh, this service. Amen? God, have your way. I was, um, let me give you a couple of updates before we get into the message. Uh, and we're going to throw in a little bit of teaching in the updates. One update is this. I was this last week at a warfare conference uh, held in Kentucky, you know, in Kentucky. And uh, it was I, I, a warfare conference. That they're using God at War. There's this, as many of you know, a huge revival that's been going on for 16 years in Argentina. And it's starting to spread to other parts of the globe. There are people who are intentionally taking it to other parts of the globe. And one of the things they do is they hold conferences for pastors uh, to kind of get the fire and whatever. And this was one of those conferences. And I was leading some seminars on, uh, on warfare and things of that sort. And it was just so uh, rejuvenating to be just a part of this thing here. Um, the... The, the, the things that these folks come and report about what's going on in different places around the globe are just fantastic. It is Book of Acts all over again. And uh, it's the kind of stuff where we who are so conditioned in our ordinary routine way of doing Christianity, we hear it and we're so secularized by our mindset that you go, come on. You're exaggerating a little bit. You're stretching the story a little bit. You know, if I read in the Bible, I believe it. But when I hear you talking about it, it's like, I don't know about this. But they've got teams of people. There's one team of five people that came back from Columbia having a 10-day campaign. And they just reported God doing signs and wonders and people getting saved by the hundreds. And it's just cool to, to see this. There's a, there's a movement. I just want, we need to know kind of what God's doing in the broader body. There's a, re, there, there's a movement that, that is abroad. Uh, many of us believe that it's part of the Lord moving us into the third millennium here and preparing his bride, uh, perhaps for uh, uh, the, final, the final bane before he returns. I don't know about that. But God's really up to something. And what it's about is rejuvenating, reviving, restoring his, his bride with power and authority. Amen. Power and authority over sickness. Power and authority over demons. Power and authority over disease. Power and authority over sin. And seeing chains fall off of people. And it's just honking what God is doing. And he's being a part of this, hearing it. Um, just to see the churches, uh, this, this church that, that, that hosted this thing. Uh, I mean, they have five-hour services regularly. Uh, I taught all day, and then we had a five-hour service. Uh, and believe me, no one minded. Uh, it was, and then afterwards, we talked for three hours. We don't go to bed till three in the morning. And then they're up at eight, ready to do, do it all again. And there's just a sold outness. They, they do this quite regularly. God is, is, is really on the move. I, and I guess I came back from there with uh, sort of a renewed uh, passion um, because I want to be a part of that, don't you? I, I want to be at the center of what God is doing. I don't want to be hearing about it all the time, I want to be a part of it. And I, I believe, and we've been preaching this for several years now, that God is preparing us as a body to be a part of that. 
Uh, you know, it's really interesting, but you go down to Kentucky, and you go just about anywhere, and they will say that the Midwest is the hardest region. You stodgy, stoic, Norwegian, Swedish types, uh, you like it so ordinary, you like it so traditional, you, like, you don't like newness, you're suspicious of everything, and frankly, I'm down there, and I am suspicious of stuff. I'm not sure I agree with everything. You know, uh, I was, I, people falling all over the place and whatever, and, and I, I, I want to be balanced about all this. I don't want to, you know, I, I think you always got to be holding up the Word of God as the criteria. But I know this, there, there maybe are overboard in some areas, or I don't know, I haven't settled all this yet. But man, they're doing the work of God. Uh, praise God. And uh, I'd rather have wildfire than no fire. And you can always pull back a little bit of too much fire, but man, you got dead wet wood and there's nothing you can do. So that, I believe, makes... Our call as a church body, and to, as a catalyst for what God wants to do in the Twin Cities, uh, all the more important. Um, God is as much desiring uh, to save people in the Twin Cities as he is in Argentina, right? Amen? And he is as desirous for the church to come alive in the Twin Cities as he is in Argentina. Amen? And it may look a little bit different. I'm sure it will. You adapt to different cultures, whatever. But God, that's God's, that's God's desire. So I want to remind you of, of something that we talked a lot about last year, and that is just this. Be in prayer for this. It does not happen without prayer. Prayer is the ingredient. Prayer is the, the key to seeing this, this happen. Be in prayer about this. That God, send your spirit. Revive, revive me individually. Restore your, your, the, the, the first love in my heart individually, and then for us as a congregation, and then for us as a church in the Twin Cities, that God's spirit would begin to reign. It's happening, folks, and it's going to happen more if the people of God have the faith to reach out and receive it. Amen? Praise God. Be in prayer about that. Second thing is this. I've really been, we have been very aware that for God to take us to the next level, we need to be more solidified as, as a church body. Um, we have been looking inward uh, for some time, at least more intently than before, because unless we develop a, uh, a base of support and solidity, uh, it's going to be very hard for us to, be, to play the role that God wants us to play as a body in the church in the Twin Cities. He's got a destiny for us. I believe it. There's been prophetic words about that, and I, I, I believe they're true. But it's going to require us being a body, and us. And that's what this whole covenant partner thing that we've been talking about uh, is about. Um, people entering into a covenant partner relationship with, with uh, Woodland Hills Church. And, and for those who are, we had a town meeting on the 24th. And for those who are interested in this and learning what covenant is as it applies to Woodland Hills Church, there's another class being offered this Saturday, uh, February 13th at 9 o'clock. And I encourage you to look into that. You need to register and let us know that you're coming. But, but, but check out that. I want to use this uh, as an occasion to, to clarify something. Um, talking to several people, I, I, uh, I discovered that some of them are nervous about covenant. And here's why. I can understand why. Because I've been talking about covenant in biblical terms, about how it's uh, um, a matter of of uh, taking these vows before God and before witnesses, and you walk between a, 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 a sundered animal, um, and, and you, you really are saying, I put my, my life behind my word, and, and uh, you know, you're laying your life down the line, and then you have a celebration meal, and you exchange identities, and then you build a memorial. And, and, and I've been stressing how important, how uh, intently God, God takes this. So some people are saying, oh, wait, whoa. It sounds now like if we're going to enter into a covenant relationship with Wilderness Church, and that's what covenant is, uh, it sounds like if I, if I partake in this covenant, I can't get out. 
or that I, I'm, I'm kind of laying my life down on the line, and, and it sounds like kind of a cult or something that, that we're, no one said that, but, you know, I can see why they would. Uh, I, I don't know if I can buy into this, and it, can I ever leave this church? You know, uh, um, is God going to strike me dead if I ever violate the covenant? And what about friendships? People are asking, how do you apply the concept of biblical covenant to friendships and things of that sort? Practical stuff. Uh, does this mean that when you make friends and you're covenantal friends, you can never get out of that friendship? Uh, does it mean that everybody that you say, I'm your friend, and now you, they can call you at 3 in the morning and, and you can't get mad at them? Uh, you know, what all does it mean? And our covenant groups, what all does it mean? I mean, to become a covenant group, what are you going to sacrifice my dog in the middle of the place? We're all going to dance between it and, and become blood brothers. And once you join a covenant group, can you never get out of it? And, and whatnot. A little bit of teaching here, okay? Just a, a word of clarification. There are in the Bible, and there is in life, many, 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 many different kinds of covenant. And there's a wide variety of degrees of commitment that people buy into with covenant. Covenant is not about one... When we think of covenant, the only thing we have to relate it to is marriage. So we think that every covenant is, has the same kind of unconditionality as marriage. But it's not the case. There is in the Old Testament, in fact, throughout the Bible, a covenant that we're to have with God. It's, it's the covenant par excellence. And then there's the covenant that we're supposed to have with our marriage partners. Uh, this is... Um, the, the most intense and, and uh, unconditional and passionate covenant that human beings can, can enter into. But there's also other kinds of covenant. Uh, there's the covenant between friends, such as Jonathan and David. They just pledge their friendship to one another. We're going to be friends. We're going to be there for each other. Uh, we're committed to one another. And there's different levels of that. Not every friendship is an intimate friendship. In fact, most friendships aren't intimate friendship. You can't be intimate with too many people. Hopefully you have some people that you are really there with as covenant partners, but other kind of covenants are possible as well. There's political covenants between a king and a people and king and king. Um, there's business covenants in, in the Bible where uh, Jacob and Laban, they made a covenant with one another that I take this land and you take this land and I'll tend these sheep and you tend this sheep and I won't bother you and you won't bother me and I'll protect your back and you protect my back. That's a covenant because they swore to it. They said, I'm putting my word on the line. A wide variety of covenants. There are explicit covenants and there are implicit covenants. There are conditional and there are unconditional covenants. So it's a wide variety here. What they all have in common is this. Number one, they bring understanding to a relationship. Covenant is a way of saying, who are we? Who are we? Yeah, some, some people do this when they're dating. You know, it's like, uh, you ever dated and you feel like you're more committed than they are? Or you're wanting something they don't have and, or they're not willing to give? And so you say, who are we, or where are we, or, you know, who is us? Do you ever do that? Uh, have you ever done that? It's like, you know, where's this going? Are we just friends? <laughs> do you just like me like a friend? You know how that goes. Yeah, you've been there. Well, see, you're trying to arrive at an understanding. Covenant brings understanding. Uh, it's a way of saying, here's, where I, here's who I am towards you, here's who you are towards me, and our lives intersect. So it brings understanding to relationships. It also brings integrity to relationships. However, however uh, much commitment or however little commitment is involved in the, in, in the covenant, maybe it's you're, you agree that you're going to be together once a week or, or once a month or once a year, or whatever the terms are, you're, you're there. You're, you're good on your word. God wants the people who know how to walk with integrity, okay? So you honor your word. Whatever the terms are of the covenant, there's a lot of different kinds of terms for covenant. You're there on your word. So covenant's about building understanding. Covenant's about building integrity. Covenant's about, thirdly, agape love. We are to have an agape love towards everybody. Uh, agape love means a self-sacrificial love. We're concerned about their self-interest. Covenant specifies the way that you have agape love. Okay, the kind of agape love that you have. 
The way that I have agape love with my wife is different than the way I'm going to have agape love with you because I have a different covenant with her. We have a different understanding. There's a different level of commitment there, okay? And the way I have it with uh, my closest friends is going to be different than the way it's going to, agape love is going to look uh, with, with, with the general public and, and, and so on. So there's different ways. There's agape love, self-sacrificial love that should characterize all of our life. But the way that it looks, the way it gets displayed is going to be different depending on the different kind of relationships that we have, the different kind of covenants that we have. And fourthly, all covenants, whatever they're about, are about creating, and we preached on this two weeks ago, creating a new us. Uh, there is, to, to the degree that you give your word towards somebody and, and you, you commit to it, to that degree their life intersects with you and your life intersects with them, and there's a new usness there. All right? So there's a wide variety of covenants. Uh, just because you have a covenant relationship with someone does not mean that you're going to be best friends at all. Uh, if, that, if, if those are the terms of the covenant, if that's your agreement, uh, then, then, then that is the expectation, but most of the time that is not. Now, in terms of the covenant with Woodland Hills Church, let me just give a little teaching on this. What, what it is is this. Well, first let me say what it's not. It's not about entering into a contract with the staff. And this is kind of a lot of people's default setting. They think of church membership as a time where you agree and you get certain voting rights and they have certain responsibilities, the staff has certain rights and, and privileges and responsibility. And so you have kind of a contract. That's not what we're talking about with the Woodland Hills Covenant. The covenant that we're inviting people to be a part of is a covenant with the whole church. And it's a way of just saying, doing those four things. It's a way of bringing understanding to us as a whole church. Um, who are we? Why are we together? What can we expect of one another? Uh, where are we going? How are we going to decide things? What, what, what vision unites us? Okay, so it's a way of specifying, lay out, laying out understanding of, uh, of who we are and, and, and what, what kind of buy-in that we have. The covenant that we're calling people to is, you know, to support the vision of Woodland Hills Church. Do you have buy-in on the vision and the leadership of Woodland Hills Church? Number two, are you, committing, are you willing to be committed to living a biblical lifestyle? Uh, to just, as, according to your understanding, to walk in the ways of God. Number three, are you, uh, willing, are, are you willing to commit to living a life of right relatedness? To not be about gossip and slander and backbiting and unforgiveness, but to always strive to love the brethren as, as you love God. Are, are you committed to that? And are you committed to seeing your life as a minister? As you live in covenantal relationship with other, others, uh, are you, do you see your life and the ministry that you are a part of, wherever it is, whatever it is, as an extension of the covenant of Wilderness Church? The covenant brings understanding to that. It's just a way of making explicit what is uh, otherwise implicit. It also brings integrity to the church. This happens on occasion. Someone will call up and say, you know, do you know that you've got some people in your congregation who are living together and they're not married? Do you know that? You've got to do something about that. Are you going to tolerate that? Are you going to condone that? Do you know that you've got a guy in your church who walked on on his wife and kids and he's attending your worship service? You ought to do something about it. You have a responsibility there. Now, look at it. We get a lot of people here. A lot of people are here, and, and they're not saved. They're not uh, Christian or anything. I don't know them. Nobody usually knows them. They float in. They float out. Uh, God uses this event in a lot of different ways to reach a lot of different people who are a lot of different places in life. They're growing in life. And, and, and the only authority that, they're, they're, that exists on Sunday morning is the authority that people give me in terms of preaching the word. So I'll preach, I'll preach against living together out of wedlock. It's not biblical when, when, the, when the time is, is there and God leaves me. I'll preach on it. If that lands on them, fine. But if it doesn't, I don't have a relationship with them. And nobody here has a relationship with them, so there's no accountability. You see, this is, this is why this is more of an event. 
where there isn't any in-body accountability. So I don't have any leverage to go to somebody and say, what? What am I supposed to say? Uh, you shouldn't do that? Well, I already say it from the pulpit. Uh, you can't come here? I'm not going to start telling people they can't come here because they're sinners, because frankly, I want sinners here. Amen? Amen. This, is where, this is where they ought to be. So if someone says you got someone coming to your church that's living together, I'm saying praise God. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe over the course of time, God will free him from that. You know, it's, okay, but covenant is about saying, here is what, I, here's our, we, we, now have, we, have, we now have an usness, we have a relationship. And I, covenant is about walking with people. To say, you know what, I don't want to walk this life alone. I don't want to be a Lone Ranger American Christian, but I, I want accountability. And I am pledging to live uh, up to this. And, and keep me accountable, and I'll keep you accountable. And it's not a legalistic, nitpicking thing. It's about holding each other up and supporting one another. And now is where you can begin to do a Matthew 18 sort of thing uh, and handling problems, whatever. But for attendees, there's just nothing you can do. So the covenant brings understanding. The covenant brings integrity. The covenant specifies the way in which we're going to have agape love towards the church. Here's the, 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 the sacrifice that you can expect from me. Here's the support you can expect from me. Here's the agape love you can expect from me. And, and, and that towards one another. And finally, and finally, the covenant helps us build an us. An us. Instead of just being a, a we that gather on Sunday morning, it, it begins to build a sense of us. A sense of a people of destiny. A sense of, 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 of a, a corporate solidarity. Uh, a sense of us as an organism. Okay, that, that's what covenant is, is all about. And not everybody here is right now ready for that or called to that or whatever. And, and don't feel bad if you're not. This isn't about super Christians and not super Christians. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do about the calling of God in your life and where you're supposed to be uh, in, in your life. But here's what I know for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. And I just want this to land. I, I feel a rejuvenation towards this uh, in the light of this week. God sort of gave me a, a renewed picture of the things that might be in Woodland Hills Church. The, a vision for us. We, we've spelled out the vision and spelled out the mission. But, but what might this concretely look like? And here is where the people of God need faith. Here's where the people of God need to be able to dream dreams. Uh, what God might have in store for us. God's been using this event to heal people and save people and, and impassion people in a lot of great ways. And we want to pray he continues to do that. It's a great thing. Let's let it get as big as God wants to, 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 to let it get. But to go to the next level and do all that God wants to do through this church as a body, not just through us individually, but us as a corporate whole, it's going to take an usness. Why we've, we felt so compelled to build the foundation, the structure, and get people on board with this. But dream the dream. Hold the vision for what God wants this place to be. I see uh, uh, Woodland Hills, part of what may be coming in the future is, for one thing, it would be nice to have a celebration center. Hmm? Can I get one amen? A celebration center. Because you know what? It's really hard to have, like, prolonged revival services if you've got to be out at 6.30 sharp. You know, it's like, oh, sorry, got to go. And, and that is just a pain. God, give us. Give us, raise up people to, to begin to think about uh, and open up the doors for us to have a celebration center. Within the Hills, is a, see it now. Get a vision for it as a place. It's sort of a, a mother ship out of which uh, scud missiles of the gospel <laughs> are, are, are launched, okay? And launched throughout the Twin Cities as we as a body, as an usness, begin to be raised up. And do what God has called us to do. To begin to be invested in other ministries. To begin to perhaps plant churches. To begin to uh, infuse life with other, uh, in, in other bodies. Maybe sending out worship leaders who can bring some life to some of the, the worship services that are out there. I believe that God is raising up Bullen Hills Church to be a catalyst 
for bringing the renewal and the revival and opening up the vault of heaven so to see the Spirit of God poured out throughout the Twin Cities. Amen? That's, that's part of what we're called to do, but it won't happen unless there's a people of destiny who have buy-in, unless there's a sense of usness. We cannot do it as a bunch of individuals. It's only when we, as a, together as an organism, begin to walk as an organism and talk as an organism, as a oneness, as an usness, that, they, that these things uh, will be done. Get a, I, I see us raised, being raised up to plant house churches throughout the Twin Cities, houses of prayer throughout the Twin Cities, working in other bodies, uh, with other uh, churches to build up a prayer foundation for the church of the Twin Cities, that this, church, that this city would be covered with prayer. It's the key to all revival. It doesn't happen without prayer. To cloak the whole Twin Cities uh, with prayer and saturate it. You know, they have in Argentina, every Friday night, caravans that drive around the city praying. Churches get together and they do this, coordinate it. Uh, and they drive around the city and they pray down strongholds. Uh, for their city. Praise God. Oh, God, help us to be used as a people, as an us, to begin to do that in the Twin Cities. Well, I can see us having a network center where we, where we help coordinate uh, ministries, network with other ministries to help the body of Christ in the Twin Cities begin to think like and act like one team. I can see us having a, um, a healing center and, and, and a deliverance center. Where, where, we, where people can come and get healing for their bodies and a counseling center for healing for their minds and a deliverance center where they can get demons off their back. Folks, there's Christians all over the place who just don't have an understanding of, of what war is and they walk around plagued and hassled by demonic powers and they don't know how to get rid of them or whatever. And there's some deliverance ministries out there, but a lot of them are really unbalanced. But to have, oh, we so need this, a, a place where, where people can come who, and we have ministers who are informed about what deliverance is and they do it in a biblical way. They do it in a, in a balanced way and they do it in an effective way, praise God. I can see us having a people of destiny who have that. But it's all about dreaming the dream and, and, and seeing the vision and other things as well. Um, that's the next level that God wants to lead us to. The question is this, uh, will we as a body be committed to that? And not everyone here is called to be a covenant partner, but I, if this is your church, I want to challenge you once again to, to this. Be in prayer. Uh, be, be fasting on a regular basis for the church. Be in prayer about the church. Be being plugged in in, uh, in small groups. And small groups, be praying for the church because God wants to see it happen here. Amen? Amen. And there's one thing you can be, you can, you, can, you can take home to the bank. And that is that we're committed to that. Uh, if I'm still preaching the same thing 10 years from now, so be it. I'm going to keep on preaching it. Because we are not going to settle for church as usual. No. Uh, that, that's one thing you don't have to ever worry about. Uh, that, that's not going to happen. We're, we want to see the full power and manifestation of God in this body. And we have a role, a beautiful, incredible, dynamic role to play if we're willing to step up to it. Amen. Now I'm ready to preach. You guys ready to listen to the word of God? Okay. Um, the, we're talking about, uh, we're primarily interested in our covenant relationship with God. Uh, we're, the covenant that we've been examining uh, in, in the Bible has to do primarily with our, our covenantal understanding, um, a covenantal understanding of our relationship with God. And we're looking at this as a way of uh, bringing understanding to Hebrews 8 through 10, which sprinkles in throughout uh, the whole thing, uh, the, the notion of covenant. We've seen that, that covenant is about, as I said earlier, taking a vow. Uh, your oath, walking between, a, a, t between animal parts. That's why they call it cutting a covenant. Uh, exchanging identities, okay, so, uh, symbolizing that your identities are now uh, uh, becoming intertwined. It's about, um, 
It's about then celebrating it with a meal, and it's about having a memorial. And we'll see as we flush this out in the next couple of weeks that this not only highlights Hebrews chapter 8 through 10, but it highlights a great deal of the New Testament. And, and we'll, we'll see it kind of um, come to fruition in the weeks to, to, to come. What I wanted to talk about this morning was, was uh, something more fundamental. And it just hit me several days ago. And the passage I wanted to read from, and someone tell me there is no God when you hear this, but I wanted to read the very passage that Greg read earlier. He had no idea what he was going to preach on. It comes out of Hebrews chapter 3. What I want us to do is to look at the fact that God wants this kind of usness, this kind of covenant relationship with us. And I want us to look at his heart. Paul says this, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray, and Father, I'm praying right now as I'm reading Paul's prayer. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend, the power to understand with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. How do you know something if he just says you can't know it? It surpasses knowledge, but he wants you to know it. He's clearly not talking about a cerebral knowledge. He's talking about an experiential knowledge that you may know in the spiritual realm. Know in your inner man, which is what he's praying about, that you may know the love of Christ that passes all knowledge. You can't begin to comprehend it. I pray that they may comprehend the incomprehensible, that they may know the unknowable he's praying for. Lord, now I'm praying for that right now as I'm reading this, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Praise God. To him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all that we ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Here's, here's the thing. God wants, this is the, the, the core, if we don't get this, getting everything else about covenant doesn't matter. See the heart of God who wants a covenantal relationship with us. God wants covenant relationship with us. God wants a relationship with us that is like the relationship that a husband has with his wife. Read it in Ephesians chapter 5. Even more so, the wife-husband relationship is a model of the perfect marriage that the Lord wants to have with us. God wants the relationship, a relationship with us where he pours himself out to us and we pour ourselves out to him. God wants a covenantal relationship where we vow, where we put our life on the line, where we with integrity and understanding commit our lives to him. A relationship that we celebrate with a memorial. Uh, a relationship that we celebrate with a me meal. He wants a sold-out, bride-like, passionate relationship with us. It is the opposite. A covenant relationship is the opposite of a haphazard relationship. It's the opposite of an acquaintance relationship. It's the opposite of a contract relationship, where you have sort of a, a, a deal between two parties. It's the opposite of a leftover relationship, where the person kind of gets whatever's left over. Whatever, you know, whenever I'm not busy, yeah, I'll hang out with you. And the sad reality 
is that in America, with its pseudo-Christian, deistic, pagan religion that the majority of people in our culture buy into, most of the time the relationship with God is exactly that, amen? It's haphazard. It's an acquaintance thing. It's a casual thing. It's a tip your hat once in a while kind of thing. It's a contract thing. But God is saying, no, I want a relationship, a genuine relationship with you, with understanding, with integrity, with, in- with commitment. I want an us with you. I want to be an us. You and me, individually, I want to be an us. Can we be an us? Not just a you and me, but an us. Not just a, an agreement between us, but, but a genuine us. I want to have an exchange of identities with you. I want to be in your being. I want you to be in my being. I want to be one with you. And we need to see this morning, I just want us to see and hear the heart of God who longs for that covenant with us. Something someone said at, at this, uh, at this uh, conference I was at just hit me. And I want to share it with you. He said, intimacy is into me, see. Intimacy is into me, see. Into me, see. I was thinking about that as I was flying back from this conference on the plane. And um, just I was working on my sermon, kind of praying over it. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but the, the Spirit of God filled that airplane. Uh, in fact, I thought for sure everyone else must notice it. Surely, it's like, it's happening. You know? uh, and I began, to, I began to look into God's heart, and I began to bawl. I just began to bawl on this plane. Um, and I'm sure the people around thought it was a little strange if they took notice of it. Into me, see. Into me, see. And I want us to look right now. Holy Spirit, I just need you to be here. I want us to look into the heart of God and into him see the truth. Because what moves us, Paul says the love of Christ constrains us. What has to move all of our behavior, all of, all of our transformation, is a perception and experience of the love of Christ. And if we don't see the covenantal heart of God, getting it intellectually isn't going to make a bit of difference. Look into the heart of God. The Lord gave me a word that, that, that I believe is prophetic for each one of us as he spoke it to me and he wants me to speak it to you about what his heart is like. Look into the heart of God. Into me, see. And when you look into the heart of God, what you find at the center of center of centers is the person of Jesus Christ who hung on the cross for us. And the Lord would have us this morning hear his heart as he says this, I yearn for you. Like a a husband yearns for a wife who's wayward or a wife who who loves deeply a husband who will not return the love, I yearn for you. I yearn for you like a mother longs for a child who is wayward. I love so much it hurts. Have you ever loved so much it hurts? Uh, Love so much the ache is there and it's continual and it gnaws and it sometimes crushes you. The heart of God, he is saying to us this morning, is a heart that hurts. Look into me, see the pain that I have in my yearning for you. I yearn for you. I'm not kidding. I long for you. I'm not joking. I bleed for you. You got to know that it wasn't really the Romans who crucified me, the Lord would say to us. It wasn't really the Romans. It was my love that pierces my hands. My love for you pierces my hands. Receive it. My love for you is the spear that pierces my side. And the blood and the water that flows from my side 
is me pouring out myself in love for you, longing for you, yearning for you. It is my love for you that, that is the 12-inch stake that goes through the bones of my ankles. That's my heart dying to know you, dying for you to look into me and see See who I really am against all the false conceptions you've ever had on, uh, ahead of me. Look into my heart and see who I really am. My love for you is the thorns on the brow and the blood that flows from those thorns. The pain of the thorns and the blood that flows into my eyes and burns my eyes is the pain of my love for you because I want this relationship with you. I long for you to be my bride, to be sold out to me, to be abandoned to me. My heart aches for you. And you got to know this. If I, if I rage at your mediocre religion, it's only because it's, it's the rage of my unrequited love. If I rage at, if you sense the anger and the judgment that I have towards mediocrity and towards your apathy and towards your relig religiosity and towards your busyness that keeps you from me, it's the anger of a love that hurts badly. It's a, and I, I, I call you to holiness and I call you to consecration, not because I'm so interested in your individual behavior and I'm so interested in having it done right. I call you to this because I love you so much and I don't want anything to come between us. Why should anything come between us? But that's what sin does. It comes between us. And so I rage at it and my anger is there, but it's an anger of love. Look into me and see. It's an anger of love. It's an anger that's calling you. It's an anger that's drawing you. It's an anger that loves to hold you and embrace you and heal you and make you whole. That's the heart of hearts. That's, that's, that's what you see if you just look into the arms of Jesus Christ, the heart of Jesus Christ as he hangs on the cross and it's still God's heart for each one of us individually and God's heart for us as a body. Look into me and see. Look into me and see the price that I was willing to pay for you. You were in bondage. You were in bondage, the Lord says. You were in bondage to the enemy. You were his slave in the marketplace for sale. And I entered into the enemy's war zone, the enemy says. I entered into the enemy's war zone, and I said, name your price. Name your price. What will it cost to free this slave? It's what the word redeem means, to buy out of slavery. What will it cost? What is the price? And the enemy said, the price is you. You, I will exchange this one for you. And you got to know, look into me and see that it, it wasn't a hard decision to make. It, I said gladly, what a deal. For the joy that was set before me, for the joy that was set before me, for the joy of having you as my bride, individually, collectively, throughout eternity, for the joy that was set before me, I endured the suffering of the cost. I didn't count the cost because you are worth it, because you are worth it. So you need to know this. Look into him and see that his heart is to say you are infinitely valuable this morning. You couldn't have a higher price on you. You are infinitely worthwhile. Whatever the lies were that have come your way that tell you otherwise, you got to know that from God's heart, you are infinitely worthwhile, infinitely valuable, infinitely beautiful in His sight. You are loved. God, Holy Spirit, may, may help us to know what is unknowable and comprehend what is incomprehensible. Know this, that you can't know with your mind. Receive it in the, in the core of your being. That you are loved more now than you could ever be loved. You, you can't be more loved than you are right this second now 
in this, this morning. His love burns towards you, saying, come to me, sell out to me, put everything aside, throw yourself on me as I've thrown myself on you. My heart aches to be in love with you. My heart aches to be in love with you. Look into me and see. And he calls us to say then the same thing to him. Look into me and see. Can you do that this morning? Look into me and see. Explore every crevice, every area. And the Lord would say to you this morning, don't fear that I'm going to reject you for what I see because I know it's there. You had that when I bought you and I still thought you were worth it. And now my love for you as you are can begin to clean that up. If you'll just open up to me, open up, yield, throw off the fetters, become vulnerable, enter into this relationship that I call you with, too. I want to do this here. This is a very simple message, but it's not about information, folks. It's about a reality that the Lord's calling us to. I want us, I want us to stand here. I'm going to pray for us. In fact, Greg, would you come here? Uh, Greg Wallen. And I, I, I'm going to pray Paul's prayer for us as a body here this morning. And the prayer is, is simply that we'll get it, that we'll see it, that we'll see him in all of his radiant beauty and all of his incredible love. And I want to invite you here this morning, if you have trouble receiving this, if there's any part of your being that says, no way, uh, I, I can't, that, that doesn't sound quite right, uh, I can't receive that. If there's any part of you that resists throwing yourself naked before the Lord, abandoning all for the Lord, if there's part of you, if there's a bondage in your life that keeps you from, from seeing clearly the beauty of God towards you right here, right now, I want to invite you forward and, and come and stand up here. And I'm going to pray for all of us, but I especially want to pray for people who have bondages that they need to be, be taken care of. Just come forward here. There's no shame in this, because we've all been, been, been through this, where we've had things prayed off of us. So come forward, and I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will, will just land on us and open up our eyes. Come forward as God leads you. Father in heaven, praying for these who are up here and for the whole congregation. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. And saints of God, if, if, if you are there, you, you understand it, then, then join with me in praying for, for others to get it. Because if we don't get this, talking about everything else is, is going to be pretty meaningless. It's going to be pretty empty. It's going to be just information. Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for, for who you are. I thank you, Lord God, for what you have done to buy me out of slavery. And I do not get that. I do not get that. I can't know with my mind, but I can receive it in my heart. I thank you, Lord God, for having a heart that yearns for each one of us here, Lord, this morning. You are beyond description. You are love indescribable, Lord. And I know, Lord, I'm praying for each of these people up here this morning, Father. Holy Spirit, be moving in their hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, be moving in their lives, Lord God, to free them from whatever it is that is keeping them from entering into the full joy and the full peace and the full power of your love. Hallelujah. Saints of God, be praying with me. 
Lord God, we come against everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Lord, for every lie that is in each one of these minds that is holding them back, for every deception, every memory that is not consistent with who you are, hallelujah. Lord God, we come against it in Jesus' name. For any spiritual agents, demonic or angelic, that are, have, are hassling them and keeping them locked in strongholds that prevent them from really entering into the rapturous ecstasy of a relationship with you, I come against it. We as a body come against it in Jesus' name. We say this is kingdom property. They have been bought with a price. They are no longer slaves. And any memory, anything in their mind and in their heart that suggests otherwise, we now come against in Jesus' name and say that it must go. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Lord, open up their eyes to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It is the enemy who blinds us from seeing the full beauty and the full power that is there. But Holy Spirit, set the captives free. Lord Jesus Christ, we apply the blood of the cross here this morning to set the captives free. Lord, be doing your work here, Lord God. Set them free, Lord God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let your love fall. Let your power fall, Lord God. Let your freedom fall, Lord God. Lord God, open up our eyes that we could into you see, hallelujah, into you see your heart and see your love and see your beauty. Holy Spirit, be moving over here to set them free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And throughout the congregation here, Lord, if, uh, Lord, whatever shackles are there, whatever wounds are there, Whatever false ideas about you are there. Lord, someone here needs to know that you are not their earthly father or anything like him. Oh, no. You are, you are so different than that. Help them see it. Holy Spirit, bring the truth right now. We shall know the truth, and the truth shall set us free. And the truth is that you are Jesus Christ and that we are loved with an everlasting love. Set them free, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.